Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar. We review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we tackle the Netflix original film Spencer Confidential, loosely based on the book Wonderland by Ace Atkins, about characters from the 80s TV series Spencer for Hire. However, Spencer for Hire is also based on the book series characters. Yeah, so from what it makes it sound like it's one of those things where there's like a popular TV show and then they make novels about the character. No. no. So Robert B. Parker wrote like 20 books okay. over the course of whatever. He died. Uh -huh. So those books created the TV series. Okay. Then when he died, he was like, yo, Ace Atkins, you're pretty cool. You should start writing the rest of, you know, you can, I'm going to give you my character. You read some books now. And he's written like five or eight books or something. Okay. Wonderland being one of them. So they are based on a book series. It's a book series that was adapted for a TV show, several TV movies, like cable movies. Um, and then ultimately was taken over by another guy who continued to write books. But ultimately it's a book series. Yes. And apparently the characters in this movie aren't really very much like any of those characters at all, except in name. So, we're going to get into this more, but the immediate comparison I have for this film is basically Jack Reacher, which is Tom Cruise, a couple of movies, which are also based on a book series that a lot of people who like that genre really like, and again, Tom Cruise is like nothing like what Jack <laughs> Reacher is described in the books. But who cares because, you know, it still works, right? Okay, so back to Spencer Confidential. This was directed by Peter Berg, written by Sean O'Keefe and Brian... Brian Helgeland. Brian Helgeland, released on Netflix March 6th, 2020, starring Mark Wahlberg, Winston Duke, Eliza Schlesinger, and Alan Arkin. The synopsis that is the most condensed version I could find is when two Boston police officers are murdered, ex-cop Spencer teams up with his no-nonsense roommate Hawk to take down criminals. Spencer Confidential has a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49% on Metacritic. So we're counting that Rotten Tomatoes score of under 40%. Yeah, we that's are. That's <laughs> where our cutoff is. Uh, this film was liked by 89% of Google users. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times said it's a fantastically over-the-top drive-in B-movie for the streaming generation. Surprisingly, our second movie in a row that has been classified in its review as, as a, a B-movie. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and yet, this is way better than... Spoilers! Jeez! <laughs> whatever. Johnny Oleski. Johnny... Sorry, Johnny. Johnny Oleksinski. Of the New York Post. We don't know how to Johnny say O. Name. Johnny Oleksinski of the New York Post said, The movie passes the time and has a decent sense of humor. Roger Moore of Movie Nation, not of James Bond, said, <laughs> Tone counts for everything in action mysteries like this, and the team that made Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, and the debacle Mile 22 know each other's strengths and play to them. So I would like, well, I guess, yeah, so we're going to jump into it. I'd like to read a couple other blurbs here that I'm like, yeah, 
This is exactly what I agree with. So, Renee Schoenfeld of Common Sense Media said, This unimpressive, lazily plotted update may disappoint old Spencer fans, but will possibly find new ones on Netflix. So, the original Spencer, because the guy started writing these books like 50 years ago, okay. was like a Korean war vet and was like, basically, the character from the books is what you'd imagine Ron Swanson would be if Ron Swanson were a detective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's a man's so man. it's more of, like, he a does... gritty, like, yes. film noir detective kind of yes. guy. Yes. And he's also, like, probably great at everything he does. You know, like, he's an ex-boxer, and he's loyal to his girlfriend, and he never strays and never looks at another woman, and, you know, he drinks so, the hardest of hard so, man so liquors. So, technically, two of those three things that you just said... Are true about Mark Wahlberg's character too. Okay, well here we go. So I'm Mark... sure he gets punched, but he gives a lot of punches too. <laughs> so how about this? Elizabeth Vincent Vincent Telly of the New York Times said this movie may be an easily forgettable action comedy, but as a Mark Wahlberg vehicle, it is also easily watchable. Would you say that that's true? I would. Okay. Before okay. I'm not going to answer that question because I wanted to talk about okay. our categories before you're like, this movie's good. No, no, no. I'm not just saying. I never said it was good. Let's <laughs> back up here. My point is, okay, the acting is perfectly great. And let's just go into the actors then. Mark Wahlberg, right? So uh, going back to what I said about Jack Reacher, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. Yeah. I think I have. Tom Cruise, I would be 100% happy if Tom Cruise alternated making Jack Reacher movies and Mission Impossible movies for the rest of his life, and I will go see them, because they are enjoyable popcorn movies. Even if they're not that great, even if sometimes they're a little predictable, I mean, Jack Reacher's more of the mystery that may be predictable, they're not even that bad they're like pretty good yeah I think. um and then mission impossible just kind of like the over-the-top crazy um stunts and action scenes and stuff but it's really cool right yeah this movie is like the tv version of the same <laughs> thing i think and like mark Wahlberg is a perfectly suitable stand-in for that kind of actor like He's not amazing. Mm-hmm. He's not one of the greatest actors ever. And he's like, he pretty much always plays, seems to play the same kind of person. Yeah. It was a little cringy. Like, if you go back and watch Italian Job, because he, I think, tries to play a guy I've who is like. I recently watched Italian, the Italian okay. Job, and I do not have that problem. You don't have the problem of him seeming like he's like smarter than. And kind of more, like, the mastermind kind of person is a little bit harder for him to pull off. No, I think okay. it's fine. I mean, I think he's great in The Departed, where he's basically a cop that has the attitude of, go yourself. You mean The Departed? The Departed, you yes. You can't say the R. Okay. Okay. He's got smart power! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so, two other actors I want to mention in this movie. One, Winston Duke. Great. Who you'll know from... The Black Panther movies. And Us. And Us, which we have not seen yet. We plan to. Um, so he plays kind of a, like a very zen kind of, he's obviously a 
a, like a giant of a man, which they make a joke of um, in the movie a couple times. But like he's the sidekick. Yeah, so he's like a wannabe like MMA fighter who also has this like pacifist side. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I'll fight, like, in the ring, but, like, mm. I don't want to be a criminal, you know? Like, I don't want to... <laughs> Which, I don't know if they really explain it in the movie, but we kind of get the idea that they're both living together because they're in a halfway house, it right? It seems like... And so... So, I thought that, but then... So, Alan Arkin owns an MMA gym. Okay. Or a boxing gym. Oh. He's, like, the owner of the gym. And uh. Winston Duke's character, Hawk, is, like, his new up-and-coming guy. Like, okay. he's training him. So he's living with him, not so, because it's yeah. halfway house, but more because it's, like, he's bringing him in off the street. Yeah. And training he's him. He's, like, training With the hopes him. that if he gets big, you know, Exactly. He, he he's gonna get... be, like, the next big fighter okay. guy. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, so in the ring, he's, like, all tough and rumble and whatever. But then outside of it, he's, like, no. Like, I don't believe in, like, violence for no reason. You know? Like, he's kind of... Anyway. Yeah. And then, so we've watched a lot, I think all at this point, of Eliza Schlesinger's comedy specials. I think so. And so we're a fan of her as, like, a comedian. But I was really impressed with her in this movie. What about you? Yeah, I think she pulled off kind of being the crazy girlfriend yeah. who has a heart of gold. Yeah, crazy girlfriend well. with a heart of gold and like a Boston accent. Like, I get mean, it, sure. girl. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not one to judge. Maybe people from Boston are like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. Or is she just from Boston? No, she's, she's not. She's from accent. like New York and Texas. Okay, cool. So, so props to her. Everyone else in this movie is great. Post Malone appears for some reason. I don't I'm also know. a fan of uh, Bokeem Woodbine. He's always kind of oh, yeah. pretty solid like, supporting guy, he, yeah. True. So, did you, okay, like, getting into the story, did you read at all about, like, how the plot differs from the book, or is it? No, I did not at all. However, here's the thing I was thinking about in preparation for this. Prior to doing any research, it occurred to me, this film, besides the elements of it that are similar to, like, a Jack Reacher kind of modern hard-boiled detective story, right? I feel like I've also seen this storyline in several other kind of movies. This movie is LA Confidential. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> this movie is a modern, like, LA Confidential set in Boston in the, right, right now. Yeah. Here's the thing that I did not realize until, like, just now, and starting to read about it in preparation for filming this episode. This movie was written by Brian Helgeland. Brian Helgeland wrote L.A. Confidential. Like, <laughs> he is the screenwriter for L.A. Confidential. Is hey, it any he's, shock? He's got a formula that works, and, and he's uh, working it. <laughs> for the record, L.A. Confidential is one of my five favorite movies of all time. I believe it is a masterpiece film. It is perfect in pretty much every way. And it's entertaining, and it's a great mystery that you don't necessarily... It's not super predictable. You might kind of put the pieces together as the characters go along, mm -hmm. but you're not like, oh, that other guy's the bad guy from the very beginning. There's no, you know, don't trust anyone, my boy, kind of yeah. <laughs> tip-off where you're like, oh, yeah, that's the bad guy. Uh -huh. The guy who says that is always the bad guy. So, it's kind of like I can't knock it on the one hand for being like, hey, you're just you know, ripping off my favorite, one of my favorite movies, 
At the same time, I really can't knock it when you're like, hey, you're just ripping off yourself because <laughs> you wrote that movie. But at the same time, it's also, this movie isn't going to ever, you know, like, you know, hold up to that level, right? Like, right. Is this the popcorn movie version of LA Confidential then? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, probably. It probably is, you know? It's like somebody who loves The Godfather, but then, and just loves that style of movie, and then watching, I mean, I can't think of an example offhand, where you're just like, it's a perfectly okay kind of mafia, yeah. whatever, movie. Okay, how about like Boondock Saints? No, I'm not comparing that to The Godfather, but like that, like maybe like Goodfellas and Boondock Saints. You know what I mean? It has been so long okay. since I've seen either of those so movies. So, Boondock Saints is, like, a movie that really appeals to, like, college-age dudes. Which I think is funny. Yeah, like, that when line... I was in high school, like, everyone was... All my, like, film friends were, like, obsessed with Yeah, and I remember going to college, and people were like, oh, it's the most underrated movie. And then my super film snob friend was like, that movie's crap. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, it's not a great movie. It was, like, a weird cult movie because it didn't do super well in theaters, if I recall right. But it did get a cult following among kind of, like, young dudes that... And it really... It was probably ahead of its time as far as, you know, really gritty action kind of mm -hmm. mafia style, whatever. But then you're like... But then Goodfellas has all that and is on, like, a whole other level. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible comparison, I know. It's just the only movies I can think of off the top of my head. But it's kind of like that. So this compared to LA Confidential, sure, if you want to say one's the popcorn version... And if you don't, if you've watched the like good version, now watch the entertaining. And they do different things. It's fine, but ultimately, like the plot isn't that surprising when you're like, yeah, yeah this is, oh yeah, it's the same. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of, is it the popcorn version of LA Confidential? How engaging is this movie? I mean, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't. Yeah, yeah, like I don't think you were bored. I don't. Because sometimes with these movies, like, we sit there and we're like, why is this even on our screen? Like, get rid of, you don't need this That's section. True. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there weren't any parts where we were like, why is this here? Like, right. just make it go. Like, okay. Skip it. There was, uh, I don't know how much I want to spoil this movie. Because the thing is, this is a super new movie. It only came out a month ago. Yeah. And so I don't want to spoil it. But basically... The thing that didn't make sense to me the most mm -hmm. was the structure of the bad guys, like, organization. Okay. Uh -huh. So, I'll spoil... Okay. We're not going to spoil it. No, no, no. But, like, how about LA Confidential? Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil that either, because people should see that movie. But, you know what? <laughs> it came out, like, it came out 25, 23 years ago. <laughs> All right, fine. So, in LA Confidential, you have dirty cops. Okay? Mm -hmm. You find out over the course of the movie, that the cops are dirty and that, you know, the secret group of, like, the 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 organization of criminals that are kind of taking over the organized crime outfits are actually the cops. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the captain is, like, the leader of it and all the cops uh -huh. under him. And whereas in this movie, the captain is the one who gets murdered. Yeah. And so clearly, 
he's not the guy running the show, but it's actually yeah. a person who so would be below it, him. It feels like they are setting it up that, like, the captain... And this is just within the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, it feels like they're setting it up as the captain is the head honcho. Like, he's the leader. He's in charge of the whole thing. And then he gets murdered, which is not a spoiler. <laughs> and... Yeah, then it kind of kicks off. Or the whole movie is them investigating. Yeah, the so the whole movie they're investigating the murder of the captain. And then it's like, oh, well, then who is the leader? Well, um, and, the, and and when it is revealed, that's one problem is they kind of rush through it. They're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, let me explain this. Like, there's no, like, villain speech of, like, well, here's my Not only that, man. right. Not only that, but. I mean, the reason is money. The like, captain, you know, is, money. like, being in, you know, he's. The way that, you know, the the investigation, what you find out later, the investigation of the undercover guy who's, like, trying to, you know, dig in and whatever, and is talking to the captain and, like, with a wiretap and everything, and he's like, oh, yeah, tell me, you know, I'm, you know let's make, I'll make you a deal and I'll get you witness protection and everything, right? Yeah. And the captain's just like, yeah, here's how it works, and I'm like, what? Like, he really half-asses the explanation. Yeah. And it's not even so much that his character, his dialogue half-asses it. It's more that the story half-asses it. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's this. This guy, yeah, this and guy, this and person this guy, is in charge. and this guy, and that's how it works. And you're yeah. like, what? Like, first of all, why don't you just explain it that way? Or, like, <laughs> there's just no nuance to it. So, I don't know. I mean, without, I don't want to spoil anything more than that. Maybe that's spoiled too much. I don't know. <laughs> But yes, this movie's pretty engaging. I mean, all of a lot of my coworkers who I talk to about, you know, movies and stuff because of quarantine right now, which we're yeah. not quarantined, we are essential workers. We, However, so we're essential workers, but technically our state is under advisement to stay home. They have not said stay home. They're right. like, "Oh, the please stay out. home. It'd right. be nice if you did." So, a lot of them have watched this movie and they all seem to enjoy it. I mm -hmm. mean, I think that the every man who's just like watch you know scrolling Netflix to see what's new, they're gonna like watch if you're this looking movie. for a break from the increased insanity that is the popularity of Tiger King, yeah. which neither of us have seen yet. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> he has no interest in watching. I clearly want to watch it, yeah, but uh, yeah, if you're looking for you know a little break from. <laughs> <laughs> that watch some Spencer Confidential. No, and the thing is, this is like okay, we did last season murder mystery. Mm -hmm. Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston in like kind of a zany, you know, old school detective modern yeah, version of like, like a Poirot, right? Kind yeah, of the, murder on the Orient Express kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and then like the 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 person in the wrong place at the wrong right. time, like it was swept up. <laughs> so the point is. My impression of that movie was, yeah, I would be happy if Netflix just made a bunch of these. Like, yeah. made the franchise. If they're just like, hey, I'm Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, you want to just do another one? Yeah, sure. It was entertaining, and it was funny enough. This movie is, like, the same version of that, except for, like, the more serious action detective yeah. kind of genre. So, clearly, there are plenty of things that this movie did well. <laughs> um, I guess I'll ask, is there anything that... It did bad. <laughs> well, well, so, I mean, the thing, the reviews that I handpicked for this episode were more positive. Yeah. Clearly, there were a lot of negative reviews to make it um, have a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. What, 
do you think maybe critics looked at this movie and said like no it's bad is it just that it has that sort of popcorn feel well, is it just that mark Wahlberg is too bostonian like which he is incredibly <laughs> i bostonian. know like he's from boston <laughs> so i mean what is it specifically that like this easily could have been a theatrical release like I don't see how... You're right, it actually could have been. It really yeah. could have been. It's no different or more outlandish than the storyline of Baywatch or oh, yeah, any other popcorn Baywatch, movie that came sure. out in the summer that did just fine. Well, not to mention, so this is directed by Peter Berg. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he did um, the original Friday Night Lights movie. Okay. He did, I believe, Battleship? Well, and as Roger Moore of Movie Nation said, he teamed up with Mark Wahlberg like for Lone Survivor, Deepwater yes. Horizon, Patriot's Day, and Miles Twenty Two. Yes, he did all those. Um, Which Deepwater Horizon was surprisingly good. Like I'm, I'm kind of not, you know, I like to stay away from the dramas, but I watched that one and enjoyed it enough. It's the, the oil, oil rig, rig yeah. yeah. Hancock, he directed Hancock. Some people really don't like that movie, but it's. Well, I've heard that it's because, like, in the middle, it becomes, like, a totally different movie. It does, yeah. Um, he also directed The Rundown. We love The Rundown. That's <laughs> great. Um, yeah, so he has directed several very successful... I mean, he's not... Like, he's just fine. He's a perfectly serviceable, like, big-time director. You know what I mean? If yeah. If you just need a guy to direct you, whatever, yeah, grab him. Okay, so I, I am going to go ahead and one. say what's, um, like, some of the more negative things okay. that critics had to say, because oh. I'm honestly confused So about... give me a sec before you jump into that. I, okay. One thing I did read was, somebody, is the whole, if you're familiar with this character from the original books, uh -huh. then you might hate this movie, because you're like, that's not what it is. So a lot of it might just be the, people already have a, are attached to the concept of what this character should be. Yeah. And so they're like, oh no, like Mark Wahlberg. Like if they decided to reboot Indiana Jones, and let's say, for example, they were like, hey, let's have Shia LaBeouf be the new <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> People might hate that idea, and it might cause more hate to yeah. be on that movie. Not to say that that movie wouldn't have enough hate because of Aliens. I'm yeah. not saying Aliens, <laughs> but Aliens. <laughs> yeah, so, so I will say that is some of the... Some of the negative things that people did say are that, like, yeah, it's completely different from the original character, so, like, I hate it because of that. Like, the adaptation, like, it's a bad adaptation of, like, a good series. Um, or that, like, it does Boston an injustice because the town is great and this movie sucks. Uh, what else? <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> I would be curious to know, does that mean that, like, people from Boston hate this movie? I, I want to see a geographic I, I, that critic breakdown. That critic says he's from New York, so okay. I don't know. But looking at the Google reviews, I mean, 89% of people like it. So, granted, there's a lot less to watch right now because you're stuck at home, but... And all the movies that are coming out, slated to come out this year in theaters, have all been pushed back. Yes, they have. So, <laughs> congratulations to Bad Boys for Life on your Best Picture nomination for 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it seems... I feel like maybe this movie is getting some unnecessary 
hey, so here's like a, you know, a mediocre review from David Fear of Rolling Stone. He's like, you might not pay money to see this in a theater, but you'd watch it on your couch in a second, which is why Netflix makes perfect sense for it. And Akoda sets up a sequel, which the movie does kind of imply there might be a sequel, as does Murder Mystery. Yes. And uh, he says uh, there are worse things to look forward to. So even though he gave it a mediocre score, he's still like, I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to this movie. So maybe we can, for a second, go on a tangent and kind of re re-examine ne- where Netflix's role is right now. Yeah, Because so okay. in the past... We've, we've talked about that, right? We've said Netflix movies are just filler. Well, I mean, in for a sense, but at the same time, we've known for years that Netflix wanted to become a powerhouse, not just in content to stream, but they want the accolades. They want... Yeah. They want to... Be, you know, they're the new kids on the block, and they're like, hey, this is our town now, and we're going to start competing with you guys. And, of course, all the big-time studios are like, yeah, whatever. And it's still hilarious to me. The Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix, like, whatever, 15, yeah. <laughs> 20 years ago, when they just started, and now, of course, Netflix is one of the most valuable companies in the world, and Blockbuster doesn't exist outside of Alaska. Yeah. So. And one of the, I mean, one of the things I can definitely see Netflix becoming is there are so many great movie ideas. Right. But not ideas that are going to make a whole lot of money in theaters. So we've talked about how maybe romantic comedies or chick flicks or movies like that where they're not going to rake in a lot of money at the box office, but they're going to rake in enough like streaming numbers or um, DVD sales or whatever it is. Those movies make a perfect like or Netflix is the perfect place for movies like that to be released because if it's there, people will watch it. And Netflix, which has a decent amount of money for them making a $5 million movie. Sounds good. You know, like why not? Yeah. Like let's make that and then have something to put on our thing that people will watch and not have to worry about raking in the, whatever you want to call it. Like, we don't need to make that money back at the theater because we can give right. that movie a voice and people will come. It is. Yeah. It's very interesting that it. over the last 20 or so years, it's become more and more obvious that Hollywood is becoming more and more fixated on already established successful IPs and milking them for everything they can. Right? Yeah. Which is why if you have a successful franchise that, happens to you know do some things well and people connect with it and it makes some money you do sequels and those sequels go bigger and bigger and crazier and more extreme and that's how you end up with fast and the furious mission impossible i mean james bond has kind of been doing that for 50 years but (laughs) you know same kind of thing um and then even revitalizing like older ips that had kind of you know, gone away, but now, hey, let's give it a resurgence, which is why you have Jurassic World, and, you know, there's going to be a Terminator re- reboot probably every five to ten years for the rest of our lives, <laughs> and I guarantee you, we're going to have a Star Wars movie of some sort every couple of years for the rest of our lives. They're going to, you know, now that they're done with the current iteration, It'll be, hey, let's go back in time to 10,000 years ago and, you know, yeah. make a trilogy about With, the origins of yeah, the Jedi. Yeah, especially whenever you have an established universe where 
there's so much more to it. Like Like we've seen with the Harry Potter movies. Like, yeah, there were seven movies of this, or eight movies of this one, but hey, let's add a whole nother nother trilogy trilogy that people do not like because some of those are on our list. Um, But yeah, I, I think Hollywood has sort of those those original ideas and potentially more innovative or experimental kind of know, movies it's not even just original. aren't going to do well in theaters. It period. doesn't even have to be original ideas. It's and just ideas for perfectly solid, yeah. like, sometimes mediocre is okay. Yeah, and a lot of movies based on books, too. So oh, yeah. two of the movies, I, or at least one of the movies I've talked about on here before is To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is a Netflix original movie based on a book mm-hmm. that maybe... The point is... But Netflix... That's a book that... It's a book that might not have gotten a It's a not going to get a Hollywood Yeah, movie a big Hollywood movie. And yet, how sad is it some of the movies that we've watched? Like, what was the one we watched with Dennis Quaid? <laughs> like, how did that... Beneath. Beneath. How does that movie get greenlit to be made into a... You know, to be made as a movie. And, like, put in theaters, right? Yeah. And yet, there's so many other films that you're like, yeah, this script probably would languish if it weren't for the fact that Netflix is like, yeah, we have a $20 million budget to make that movie. Can we make it for $20 million? Done. Can we make this screenplay into a movie for $50 million? Yeah. Done. Can we make this for $10 million? Done. So, I mean, part of it, I think, is in the age where TV is becoming so primetime and and big and expensive. Yeah. And a lot of that is because of like HBO with its prestige shows over the last 20 years. But it, now Netflix has joined that. And a lot of other networks have started joining that too. And yeah. Really... What, what was it by the end? Game of Thrones cost like how many million per episode? I, like yeah, 20 or like something? something. like that. Yeah. 10 to 20 million or something like that. Um, and now of course you have Amazon that's going to make, right? Like. Oh Lord yeah. Amazon has their Lord of the Rings. And they've already coming. basically said, here's a billion dollars. Go make five seasons. So like yeah. $200 million a season or something like mm-hmm. that. The Wheel of Time. Somebody's making that. Like, Big Wasn't nerd IPs after the excess of all the comic book movies that yeah. we've seen. So yeah, it's great. I think. Like I, th- I think I think spectacle movies like that will always have a place. Oh, yeah, in theaters, sure. but it is interesting to see TV kind of moving towards that spectacle mentality right. because you can't go see Game of Thrones in theaters. So it doesn't matter that, like, you have this amazing, you know, set and all this CGI and whatever else when, like, the lighting is so bad you can't see what's going on on screen. (laughs) No. Um, But seriously. Um, But, I mean, TVs are getting bigger. Like, hardly anyone has a ridiculously small TV anymore. But movies like, you know, small little rom-coms or comedies or even um dramas like marriage story like they play perfectly well on your phone right like watch that on download it and watch it on your commute to work right like as much as i loved watching 1917 in theaters this past yeah that was an intense experience (laughs) i don't feel like it was the type of war movie where i would have lost as much watching it on our, you know, whatever, 60-inch TV. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean, maybe it certainly would not have been the same experience, but that movie's more about the, like, yeah, just well, the experience of watching the plot unfold and the character's journey versus, mm-hmm. like, 
the crazy, you know, explosions and action and stuff. Yeah, true. So, yeah, you can tell me, like, a movie like The Avengers, or even, you know, to go with the war movies like Saving Private Ryan are going to play different on a big screen. Yeah, I'll agree with you. Um, but certainly movies, there's plenty of movies that are fine yeah. on your TV. And one other thing I kind of want to bring up with this whole quarantine situation is now we do have those... These were supposed to be in theaters or were currently in theaters once lockdown started happening. Yeah. And now, oh, you can buy it and watch it within 48 hours at your house. Right. So like Trolls World Tour, for example, just launched this week. Yeah. Um, and you can pay 20 bucks for your family or, to... If you're listening when we launched this like two weeks ago. Two, two <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can just sit there and watch it at your house. Like, I'm, I mean, a lot of us on film Twitter and a lot of people are just kind of debating, like, maybe if this is going to be kind of the future of movies about whether or not, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to kill the theater industry in general, because there are those movies that you do need to see in theaters just because of the the visual spectacle of it, or you want that, like, adventure of going to the movies. But for other movies where, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter if you see it on a big screen, like... Do you think maybe they'll just start releasing stuff? Like, yeah, watch it for 20 bucks um, at your house. Okay, I have two points to make about this issue. Okay. One is there's going to be an old guard of Hollywood filmmakers, whatever. <laughs> but they're and, all going to And die. theaters. No. But, <laughs> and, and theater chains. Basically, the entrenched people who make money off of the current business model will absolutely fight to the death, tooth and nail, to prevent what you're talking about from happening fully. However, it's very possible that because we already have established powerhouses like Netflix, it'd be one thing if Netflix was like brand new and we, you know, Netflix came along 10 years ago and made all these guys realize, oh crap, we need to compete with them, not just let them stream our stuff, which is now why we have Hulu and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and all the, and, you know, HBO Go. We have all of these streaming services because everybody wants their own pie versus just a piece of Netflix's pie and letting Netflix be the, you know, the wholesaler who then yeah. sells their stuff to the world. You know, since Netflix is a powerhouse and there are going to be companies that have enough weight to throw around, it makes me think of like Tesla. Like Tesla is big enough now that it's an actual threat to like traditional car makers. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of your thoughts on it, you have to admit like electric cars are here like and they will be successful right. whether or not they ever supplant completely you know internal combustion engines is a who knows but there will always at least be a niche subset of people who will buy electric cars how big that is is anyways guess over the, you know the next whatever 100 years or 20 years or however time frame you want to look at right the other point i would make is that I don't think, like, I'm not going to pay $20 to watch Trolls World Tour on my TV. Well, we're not. <laughs> we're, no, okay, like, yes, but we're like, not. But again, like you said, there's plenty of movies where you're like, oh, I don't need to see it on the big screen spectacle kind of thing. I can just watch it in my house. Well, yeah, and I can also watch it in my house eight months from now when it's free because now it's on Netflix because Netflix paid, you know... $30 million to Universal Studios, whoever it is, yeah, to have the rights to stream it for the next five years. 
And now my kids are going to watch it 50 million times, but I'm paying $10 a month. I'm not paying $20 to watch it once. Right. So people who can, who can wait or, you know, people who can settle to watch these movies at home can also settle to watch these movies at home next year. That's true. Not (laughs) today or, you know, not this weekend. I mean, yeah. I get it. Sometimes there's, I mean, for big events, which we kind of talked, you mentioned Tiger King, right? Yeah, Tiger King. There are. I don't think anyone knew it was going to be a big event, but it's become right. like insanely no, exactly. popular. That's been the big water cooler yeah. show where like you just want to go on social media and talk to your friends about it. Or like, you know, if you're not working, you wish you were working so you could be like, Karen, oh my gosh, did you watch Tiger? Oh my gosh, isn't that? Whatever. It was the same thing with Game of Thrones. It was the same thing with Sopranos, all the big prestige shows, Breaking Bad, etc. Yeah. The water cooler shows, I don't know if you're going to really have like water cooler movies. Yeah. Where you're just like, no, it's fine, you know? I mean, you already have that, right? Because, like, you go see Star Wars or you go see Avengers or whatever. And, you know, you, then you go to Christmas dinner because, of course, the movie, the big movies come out, you know, the week of Christmas. Yeah. And you have, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then your one sister's like, stop, I haven't seen it yet. Shut up, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess that's kind of my question. So, like, people go out to the movies around holidays. That's uh-huh. why movies get released, or in the summer. That's why movies get released in the summer and around Christmas and Thanksgiving uh-huh. and whatever. So you're going to tell me that a family of four or a family of five or six or whatever is going to drag their butts out to the movies and spend like $150 on, okay, I, in what world, okay, okay, I work, do the math for me, okay, I personally, as a concessions person at a movie theater, for a part-time job that I do sometimes, not right now, right but now because all other the movie times. Are um, I have personally rung up families for more than a hundred dollars for all their tickets, all their snacks, all their everything that they're doing, okay. just on a random Friday, Saturday afternoon. Yes. Okay, so they're not gonna just stay at home in their pajamas, make their own microwave popcorn. And sit down and watch a movie for 20 bucks instead? They can do that now for free. As long as they're willing to watch movies that came out at least six months ago. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes it's kind of fun to see the new movie, you know? Didn't you just answer your own question then? Sometimes it's just kind of fun to get out of the house and go do a thing as a family. Even if it costs you $100. It's the same reason why people go see baseball games and pay $9 for a hot dog and $12 for a beer. I guess that's true. Because you just want to have a fun day out with your family. Yeah, that's true. So I think there's always going to be theaters. Now, to be topical, AMC um, is potentially filing bankruptcy, right? But it's Chapter 11, so they're going to reorganize. So they'll probably end up trimming the fat. They'll close down whichever of their theater chains are not performing well. Sorry, you might lose your job. But, um, <laughs> you mean like the one by us? That one? Maybe. Um, the point is, if theaters get hurt, yes, you, what you'll end up with, if you live in a town like our size, uh, you know, metro area. You'll have to drive like where, 20 minutes to well, go to a movie. No, I mean, so we have like, what, probably like three theaters within... So we, we, ha- where we, we live minutes. in a relatively small town. What? Like small city. Small city. 
How many people live here? Like well, because 30, it's multi. It, no, like a hundred something thousand. In our specific town? Yes. Oh, okay. But okay, like a hundred thousand. When you combine the whole like regional area of all the little towns together, because everywhere, I mean, it's yeah. Either if it's a big city, it's all neighborhoods. If it's a bunch of cities, it's but all anyway, combined. The point is, here we have three major movie theater chains. Yes. One which is more local. One which is now, and two which are national. Right. Um, and we have like six theaters within like a half hour drive. Yeah. Easily. So yes, it's very possible that we end up with two or three theaters within a half hour drive over yeah. the next ten years. Mm-hmm. We've already seen that with our dollar theater that was here when okay. we got married. Closed. Side tangent. This is totally random. But like, they closed this thing like four, five years ago because they were going to tear it down and build some big fancy housing office apartment whatever they still have not torn it down that building is still sitting there and we can't go see dollar movies (laughs) anymore dollar 50 movies we could have had so many i love how like we were just like yeah this movie's good it's fine let's talk about other let's talk about the future of cinema hey whatever i mean what else so long story short netflix is you know i think I'm not going to say Netflix is great, because I'm sure that, you know, they're a giant corporation. I'm sure they do crappy things. But Netflix fills a good role in the cinema world. Yeah. And um, at Keep the same making time, your stuff, Netflix. At the same time, movie theaters themselves are not going anywhere. You'll end up with, you might end up with, like, even your moderately sized town ends up looking like, an old-timey small town with, like, the one theater, which is, like, one screen. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they're only showing, like, the Avengers. But, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, yeah, the only movie this summer I want to see is Avengers 17 or whatever it is. <laughs> um, you know, Star Wars number 40. But movie theaters are not going anywhere. Like, yeah. f- as far as part of our culture, they're not going until I have like people said that about drive-in theaters too until I have like a 50 foot screen or whatever (laughs) in my garage like at my own private movie like they're not going anywhere now I'll tell you what in that case if I could get a big enough screen and it was a big movie I would pay $20 and that you don't have the unpleasant experience I mean one of the things you also have to take into consideration is... That other people suck. That other people suck. So, yeah, I would totally pay 20 bucks to see a big movie like that to not have people cheering at the screen or yelling at the screen or talking on their phone or having, or like, a the back bright... Or kicking the back of my chair. Or having a bright light, like, two rows in front of me because they can't not text their friend Susan or whatever. The back corner of a movie theater is the most underrated spot. I feel like people Best seats. people think that oh I don't want to be in the corner. I want to be front and center so I can see. No. It doesn't matter cuz when you're in your house, you don't mind sitting on the end of the couch that's kind of at an angle and it's the same thing and you can guarantee that nobody's behind you and that there's few people next to you cuz everyone's going to be clustered over to the middle. Yes. That's where we always sit. We sit in the back. The back. The back Like, corner of the theater. Whichever corner is. Yep. We don't care. No preference. Um. So there you have it. Yeah. Movie theaters will always be around. However, it might be kind of nice to watch from home if you had a big enough TV. Right. But I'm not going to watch, like, Trolls World Tour. No. I'm going to watch. The Avengers. Yeah. The big, the big blockbusters. 
So we're turning our basement into a projection oh, that's media happening. room. That's happening already. All right, yeah, let's we got do some, it. Once we have some money. Now back to Spencer Confidential. <laughs> Should people watch this movie? Yeah, sure. Why not? Watch it. I mean, Netflix make more of it. You watch like a sequel, anybody right? Anybody who's listening to this podcast is going to be like younger. They're not going to have any attachment. They're not going to know who this character was. Definitely not. It was the not. same thing with Jack Reacher. Definitely not. So. If you enjoy, like, kind of detective action whatevers and you want to turn your brain off and not really think about it. And there are definitely funny moments. Like, I I feel like these critics were not as fair. Like, there's some funny moments for sure. here's another thing. Like, I think this movie did a perfectly good job of the, like, Winston Duke's character. Mm -hmm. He never felt like the goofy sidekick kind of thing that, like, a... A Spike Lee or a Dave Chappelle yeah. might if, if criticize any, as far as the, the black character. Mark Wahlberg was the goofy sidekick. <laughs> That's true. And Winston Duke was the main character. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Hawk, Hawk is the guy with the shotgun. Spencer yeah. does your taxes. <laughs> yeah. One thing that did bother me about this movie is that Post Malone gets like, like not top billing, but like he gets billed as one of the main characters in this movie. He's in the movie for like three minutes. Yes, he is. Like, a minute and a half here, and then a minute and a half Have later. Have I told you my conspiracy theory theory that um, oh Post Malone doesn't actually have any tattoos, oh. that they're all just makeup? <laughs> okay. I could believe it. Anyway. Um, yeah, and the same, same as I said when we talked about the acting, like Bokeem Woodbine, he's always great. He yeah. was amazing in uh, Fargo. Uh-huh. The TV show? Yeah, he was like a kind of a mid-level ranking member of the Kansas City Mafia that comes up to shake down the local mafia and kind of take over the turf. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, like, really great on that show. Mm-hmm. And he he's on Sopranos for a bit. I mean, he's just been, he's like a solid character actor. That's yeah. just You recognize him, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. And you know, he's always pretty solid. So, mm-hmm. um, I think this movie did a perfectly good job and didn't do any weird, like, offensive stereotype stuff that you might expect. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's a good thing. So It is indeed. <clears throat> it's not just a bunch of lazy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out on social media to let us know what you think or what you'd like us to review next. Please rate and review. It does let us know that you're listening, and we really do sincerely appreciate your feedback. Next week, we are going to watch the reboot of one of Jonathan's absolute favorite graphic novel slash comic book series, Hellboy, the 2019 version. I don't know if I'm looking forward to this or not. (laughs) I was looking forward to it before I found out that it was a poorly rated film. (laughs) Anyway. So we'll see you then.